Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Today we have a crazy story of revenge of stealing a cherished possession. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, I just couldn't let my ex-boyfriend get away with everything, so I revenged. My name is Leslie, and if there's one thing I've always known about myself, it's that I'm a woman of strength and independence. My life has been a series of challenges that I've met head-on, a blank sheet painted with vibrant hues of determination and resilience, but there was a time when that picture-perfect image was clouded by the presence of a man named Day. Dave possessed a charm that could disarm even the most skeptical hearts. His smile had a magnetic pull, drawing people into his orbit with an irresistible force. When our paths first crossed, it was as if the universe itself had conspired to bring us together. From the outside, we were enviable, the couple that seemed to complete each other's sentences and laugh in a way that made the world jealous. I can assure you that I'm not being overly dramatic when I say that our relationship was a whirlwind. It was something like a tempest of emotions, and it left me breathless in its wake every darn time. I believed we were unbreakable. Our love forged from a bond that could withstand any storm. We made plans, shared secrets, and dreamed of a future that I held as close to my heart as my next breath. It was us for me. To the world, we were it. But then, as life often has its way, cracks began to appear. Late nights at work evolved into hushed conversations and evasive glances. Minor disagreements escalated into heated arguments that left me feeling like I was losing the ground beneath my feet. It was as if someone had taken the story I thought I knew and rewritten it with a cruel twist. The moment of truth arrived unexpectedly. A glimpse at his phone, a series of messages. They revealed a truth I had never expected to face. Betrayal stared back at me from the screen. A harsh reminder that the person I'd given my heart to was capable of deception, capable of shattering the world we had built. The pain was a visceral ache in my chest, a swirling mix of anger, betrayal, and confusion that left me gasping for air. The dreams we had woven together disintegrated like a house of cards, leaving me standing amidst the wreckage of a love that had once felt unbreakable. The trust that had been the foundation of our connection was now shattered beyond repair. I knew my trust was hard to get by anyone, and one of the very few that got it turned out to be a scam. As time passed, the pain I felt in my heart and the ache in my entire being began to dull, and I started to see a glimmer of light through the darkness. I realized that while his betrayal had shaken me to my core, it didn't define me. It was a chapter in my story, not the entirety of it. The wounds would heal, and the scars would serve as a testament to my strength. In the end, the pain of betrayal became the turning point for my transformation. It had stripped away the facade of perfection and forced me to confront the reality of who he was and whom I wanted to be. But all of this could not have happened if I had let sleeping dogs lie. I needed to make my mark on him as he did on me. You know that saying that if you really love someone, you let them go? If they truly love you, they will be back. But if they're not, then it means y'all were never meant to be. Well, in my case, 
I didn't just let go, I went after him and struck him with a blow in the chest. Truth is, it wasn't entirely my fault. His betrayal drove me nuts. The day that shattered my trust in Dave is etched into my memory like a vivid nightmare. It was a seemingly ordinary afternoon when I stumbled upon the truth that would unravel the love we had built, leaving me drowning in a sea of shock, hurt, and anger and gasping for breath as I wished I could turn back the hands of time. I had returned home earlier than usual. My heart was light with the anticipation of sharing the details of my day with the person who had been my confidant for so long. It was our thing because it was us against the world, taking each day a step at a time. As I entered our shared apartment, the laughter and warmth we once shared seemed to linger in the air, but there was an undercurrent of tension, a disquiet that I couldn't quite put my finger on. I expected the atmosphere to be quiet because no one was supposed to be at home, but there was something about the silence at that point that made me uneasy, but I couldn't put my hands on it then. It was like my subconscious was trying to notify me that there was a chance I would feel my entire world shatter that day. But I was stupidly oblivious to the warnings I was trying to give myself. I moved through the familiar rooms, my steps slowing as I reached our bedroom. A flicker of light from Dave's phone caught my attention. Innocent enough, or so I thought. Curiosity got the better of me, and before I knew it, I was glancing at his screen. What I saw in that moment shattered my world. A string of messages lay before me, revealing a conversation that I had no knowledge of. My heart raced, and a cold sweat broke out across my forehead as the truth unfurled before my eyes. The messages weren't just innocent exchanges, they were the evidence of deceit, of a betrayal that I had never imagined possible. Shock held me in its grip, an icy vice around my heart that left me breathless. The words on the screen seemed foreign, as if they belonged to another reality. My mind raced to comprehend what I was seeing. Dave, the person I'd shared my deepest fears and dreams with, was sharing those intimate parts of himself with someone else. But that wasn't even all there was to it. They were currently discussing me. So here's the thing. Dave has a phone and a system majorly for work. His messaging app was connected both to his phone and his system to help him have access to them at any time. In a usual case, this was not unusual, but what was unusual about that day was first how he forgot his phone at home, and the mistake he made was not to factor in the possibility of me returning home earlier than he did because that never happens. He had thought his phone was safe. I wasn't home and no one would be in our apartment till he came home first. He had no reason to believe that I would get to see the messages that day, but he was wrong. I took the day off because I closed the case earlier than my boss thought I could have, so he told me to go home and unwind because, to him, I had deserved it. I picked up my bag and headed out, happy that Dave would see me open the doors for him on a weekday, not the other way around. I even stopped at the grocery store to get things to make him dinner. Everything was perfect. It was all to plan. Then, it wasn't. Hurt surged through me like a tidal wave crashing against the walls I had so carefully built around my heart. It was a kind of pain I had never experienced before, a raw ache that seemed to spread through every fiber of my being. The questions and doubts swirled in my mind like a storm, each one a dagger to the trust we had built over time. I was a pain to him, apparently, and to be honest, I didn't really mind that he was intimate with someone else. I knew the man I had. He was a catch, and anyone with working eyes would have stared for a while before they had the decency to look away. 
If we were in the old times, you would call him one of the most sought-after eligible bachelors, only that he was not supposed to be sought out because he was mine. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. But as I said, that didn't hurt me as much. What broke my spirit was the lies I read from the message they were exchanging. A stranger I did not know knew almost everything about me from details I told no one, save Dave. This same stranger knew Dave was to call it quits with me months ago, but he couldn't because my cat just died and I was a mess? That hurt a lot. Anger followed closely on the heels of hurt. It was a fire that burned within me, fueled by the sense of betrayal and the knowledge that the person I'd loved had chosen to lie and deceive. How could he have done this to me? How could he have looked me in the eyes and pretended that everything was fine? I felt a mix of emotions, the anger at him, the hurt that I was feeling, and the disbelief that this was my reality. It was as if the ground had shifted beneath me, leaving me standing on unstable ground, unsure of where to turn next. The future we had planned, the promises we had made, they all seemed like empty echoes in the face of his betrayal. I could not imagine that this was the same person that had kissed me goodbye and good luck that morning before I left for court. In those moments, time seemed to both stand still and rush forward with a vengeance. I was trapped in a whirlwind of emotions, a storm that threatened to consume me whole. The trust I'd placed in Dave had been shattered beyond repair leaving me to pick up the pieces of a heart that felt irreparably broken. So I sat there, staring at the screen that held the evidence of his deception, uncertain about what I would do or the path ahead. I could have decided to confront him at that moment. I could have sent a text in between the messages that would notify him that someone else was with his phone. You would have rushed home, but that seemed too easy. The pain I felt needed something more to be able to begin the process of healing. When he got back home an hour after I got home, I could have told him I saw the messages. 
I could have confronted him then, but I would have been a fool to do so. From the texts, he was prepared to leave me with nothing. That would have merely made it easier for him to do. I couldn't have that. I needed him to feel as much hurt as I did. Maybe more. So I pretended like everything was still as fine as it was in the morning when I went into court. I told him all about my day and the two-timing son of a gun played along with me and acted like he was genuinely interested and happy for me. Maybe he was, but I was past rationality then. All I saw was hurt, blood, and vengeance. The aftermath of the betrayal was a labyrinth of emotions, and amidst the anger and hurt, a newfound sense of determination began to bloom within me. I wasn't content with simply exposing Dave's flaws. I wanted to hold him accountable for the pain he had caused. This desire led me down a path I hadn't anticipated, one that would ultimately lead to his downfall and my triumph. He was my man. I knew how to get as much information as I wanted. I just needed to check the right places. Plus, it helped that he didn't know I was on to him. He felt comfortable as always. He messed up. As I delved into the labyrinth of information I'd collected about Dave, a tiny spark ignited an idea that would set the wheels of revenge in motion. Through meticulous investigation, I unearthed a misdemeanor he had committed in the past, a transgression that he had managed to keep hidden from most, but not from me. This discovery became my weapon of choice, the instrument through which I would exact my revenge. The decision to represent the victim of Dave's misdemeanor in court was both calculated and liberating. It was a way to channel my anger and frustration into something purposeful, a means of taking control of the narrative that had spun out of my hands. With each passing day, my resolve grew stronger, and I began to prepare for a battle I was determined to win. Of course, he tried to keep me in the dark of all that was going on, and that was his undoing because at least he would have found something to hold on to if he knew I was representing his victim. But he acted like nothing was going on, and I played along with him. Because really, nothing was going on. I was simply doing my job as a lawyer. The courtroom was a battleground. The air charged with tension as I stood before the judge and jury. Representing the victim, I laid out the facts with a precision that surprised even myself. The evidence was damning. A testament to the person Dave truly was beneath the charming facade. As I presented my case, I could feel the weight of my anger and hurt transforming into something more powerful a determination to see justice served. The first time he saw me in court, he thought he was mistaken. Maybe I was in the wrong courtroom, but I didn't say anything until the case started. The trial was a roller coaster of emotions. Each revelation a blow to the image David so carefully cultivated. As the truth unfolded, the spectators' expressions shifted from curiosity to shock, and eventually to a collective understanding that the man they had admired was far from what he seemed. The atmosphere in the courtroom crackled with tension as the pieces of Dave's carefully constructed puzzle fell apart. And then came the moment of truth, the judge's verdict. Guilty. There was no way he could spin it around. He was guilty. The word reverberated through the room like a thunderclap, a validation of everything I had uncovered and fought for. At that moment, I felt a sense of vindication that I hadn't expected, a surge of triumph that pulsed through my veins. As I left the courtroom, my steps were steady and sure. The victory was mine, a reminder that I had the power to shape my own destiny even in the face of betrayal. Armed with the knowledge that Dave's true nature had been exposed to the world, I returned to the apartment that had once been our shared haven. He came home late that night. I guess he was trying to understand why I did what I did. 
If it was just work or if there was some intentionality to it, I guess he wondered why I didn't hint him about my case like I usually did. But that was one step in my plan. The second and last phase was kicking him out of the apartment. His life deserved to be disrupted like mine was when I came home to the messages he was exchanging that day. With a firm resolve, I approached him at the door, my voice steady as I spoke the words that would redefine our relationship. Dave, I don't think I want you in. Find somewhere else to be. Before he could contend my words or make me feel stupid, I was quick to remind him that he made me handle the leasing agreement because I am the law witch, so my name was on the lease. It was my apartment legally. He had just lost one legal battle with me, one that would send him into debt for a long time. He was smart not to try to get into another with me. His face contorted with a mixture of shock and disbelief, his eyes locking onto mine as if searching for a hint of vulnerability, but I stood my ground, my heart a shield against the guilt and doubt that threatened to weaken my resolve. I demanded his keys and told him I would let him know when he could come for his things. He left the apartment that had once been our shared sanctuary. I felt the sense of closure I hadn't anticipated. It wasn't just the victory in court, it was the triumph of reclaiming my space, my identity, and my power. I had turned the tables on him, transforming the victim into the victor. As the door closed behind him, I realized that the revenge I had sought wasn't just about exposing his flaws, it was about regaining the strength and agency he had tried to steal from me. I stood in the quiet aftermath. I felt a sense of freedom wash over me. The apartment was mine once more, but I guess what made me happier was the fact that I was able to land the first blow on him. If he had done the breaking up, it would have ended my world because I would have felt like I did something wrong or I just wasn't enough for him. But that didn't happen. I let him go that day when I read those texts. I let him go, waiting that he would come clean within that week, but he didn't. So I sought him out and I delivered a jab to his chest in court and at the apartment. My only question is, was OP able to hide that there's a conflict of interest in this court dealing? Like in most situations, they wouldn't let somebody who was in a relationship with that person go against them in court, right? I mean, obviously OP got some serious charges against the guy and all, but I feel like they would prefer to have that disclosed and understand that there could have been a serious conflict of interest where OP was serving to actually spare their partner. That said, our next story is, girlfriend cheated on me with her bestie, so I steal her mom's necklace. All my life, I never liked stealing. Better put, I never liked doing anything against the normal moral code. But all of the things that are deemed bad by society... The one I hate the most is stealing. I don't like it when people take stuff that's not theirs like it's no big deal. Like, bro, you know that stuff is not for you. Why would you take it? Another reason is what it does to the owners of what the thief stole. It leaves them in a state between sadness and confusion. Imagine you brought your favorite Lego set to school and you chucked it in your locker before heading on for English class. You come back hours later with your friends, ready to showcase your stuff, when voila, you open your locker and it's nowhere to be found. You'll be heartbroken, because it's obviously your favorite Lego set, but also you might start to look for it in the most unlikely places, because your mind starts to tell you that maybe, just maybe, you didn't put it in the locker like you thought. Maybe you left it in your bag, or maybe you didn't even bring it to school in the first place. I use this Lego set example because it's something that has happened to me back in middle school. The story didn't end there. 
I actually deluded myself into thinking that I didn't bring the Lego set to school after all, and tossing it into the locker was a figment of my imagination. Imagine my second round of heartbreak when I got home and still couldn't find my beloved Lego set. Anyways, turns out that the Lego set thief was my stepsister, but that's a story for another day. Apologies for overanalyzing the whole thieving process and how it affects people, but I want you to get a full understanding about what I'm talking about. So, all my life, I never stole stuff, because I hate to cause people the kind of pain I went through with my Lego set, but the crazy thing about life is that even if it's just once, you have to go through those things. Those situations you never thought you'd be in. Take me for instance, I thought I would go my whole life without having to steal something, but that's not how it happened. My girlfriend cheated on me with her best friend, the guy she told me not to worry about, and I had to repay her. So I had decided to steal her late mom's necklace. I know this might seem petty or silly to some, but I knew how much that necklace meant to her. It wasn't worth much if I was going to pawn it off. Maybe if the pawn shop owner was drunk enough, he might give me $20 for it but the sentimental value to her was what I was counting on. Now, I know with all I've said, some people would decide that I'm a jerk, but I implore you, reserve your judgment till I've told you the entire story, and if by the end of it you still decide that I'm to blame and I'm a jerk, well, it is what it is. To fully understand the story, we have to back up a bit. Let's start at how I met my girlfriend, Ashley. It was my freshman year of college. I had just finished the last paper of my mid-semester tests. And after spending the last few weeks studying hard, I was ready to take a rest. I had it all planned out of my head already. I was going to get some popcorn, some tortilla chips, a few bottles of cranberry juice, and stayed holed up in my room, binge-watching anime. It was the perfect plan. But it was ruined as soon as I stepped foot into my apartment. My roommate and close friend Jamie had his friend Louis over, and they were planning a little house party. This seems like a harmless plan, right? Well, except for a few problems. One, I hated parties. Everything about parties annoyed me. The noise from the people and the loud music. Too many people in too little space. Don't get me started on the nauseating smell of people puking in all the wrong places. I aired these problems to Jamie and he promised me that it wasn't that kind of party. They were only having a few friends over to play some games. That's what he told me. My first mistake I made in this story was believing him. I told him to throw his party as long as it doesn't disturb my anime. Sometime in the evening, Jamie's friends started arriving. I didn't have to leave my room to know this. They were loud enough for me to know that they were around. That's not all. I was expecting a few people, 5 to 10 max. But when I stepped out of my room to get a glass of water, what I saw was way more than 10 people. They were everywhere. The living room, the kitchen, Jamie's room, even the spare room I wanted to convert into a workspace. The party was everything Jamie said it wouldn't be. But there was nothing I can do now. I got my glass of water and went back to my room. The music from the speaker was so loud that for a moment, I was sure the neighbors were going to call the police. That didn't happen, thank God. Anyways, a few hours into my anime, my door opened and a girl stepped into my room. I was so surprised by this and I was about to tell her that the party was in the living room when I saw her face. Dang, she's pretty. Imagine this, curly blonde hair, icy blue eyes, full cherry lips, the works. She was tall and had the perfect athletic body. My mouth fell open and I didn't know what to say to her. 
There was a moment of awkward silence where she stared at me as she closed the door behind her. I guess she decided to speak up when she saw that I wasn't going to say anything. She cleared her throat and apologized for barging in. That was when I found my voice again. I told her it's not a problem. She explained that she didn't know that the party was going to be as crazy as it was because her friend, who was the friend of a friend of Louis, told her that it was just going to be like a game night. I told her that I thought the same thing and we were both tricked. She laughed at my statement and introduced herself as Ashley. I introduced myself too and she asked what I was watching. I shifted my laptop so she could see. Her eyes went wide as she saw that I was watching anime. Apparently, she was also a big fan. We spent the next 15 minutes talking about Black Clover and another 10 minutes talking about Attack on Titans and how the producers are messing up by being inconsistent with the release of new episodes. We spent the rest of the night watching some episodes of Black Clover till the party was over and her friends were looking for her. Being the introverted guy with zero riz and self-esteem, I couldn't bring myself to ask for her number, so she left, and I was pissed with myself. In three days, I'd totally forgotten about Ashley. Two weeks later, I had a lecture-free day, so I decided to go to the library to do some studying. By that time of the day, the library was usually packed with overzealous freshmen aiming to be the top of their class. There was barely any space left on the first floor, and that was where I preferred to stay. Eventually, I found a seat at the far end of the hall. As soon as I got there, the guy seating behind me looked up and told me that the seat was occupied. I was about to leave when the person occupying the seat returned, and to my surprise, it was Ashley. She was so excited to see me, she hugged me and then bribed some guy in the same row of seats to find another seat. Not the same guy that told me her seat was occupied, some other guy. I sat next to her and she told me she totally forgot to give me her number and it was only when she got home that she remembered. Right there, right then, she picked up my phone and inputted her number. We talked for hours that day. It was the most unproductive study session I've had in a long while. But then again, I can't call it unproductive because I spent it talking to her. When it was time to leave, Ashley rose from her seat and the guy beside her stood up too. Curious, I asked her if he's her boyfriend. She laughed and said no, that he's her friend. Bestie, she called it. That's a red flag for me. So I zeroed my mind right there that we weren't going to become anything romantic. We'll just stay friends. That was the plan. I should have just stuck with it. Maybe if I did, then everything would have been fine. Anyways, I got home and she texted me. She said she had a really great time talking to me. I told her I felt the same way, and we talked about a bunch of other stuff too. We texted every day after that. At first, it was just to reply to stories, and then to deep conversations, and then to sharing reels and stuff. Eventually, we started calling each other, not only in the daytime, but also in the night. We also started sending each other good morning texts. She started that as a joke, actually, because she was always making fun of people in relationships, but after a while, it became less of a joke. This whole dynamic spanned in less than three months. One night, after having a whole conversation about Dungeons and Dragons, Ashley asked if I was free that Saturday. I asked why, and she said she was thinking of going to the cinema, and she wanted to know if I'd be interested in that. I said yes, without hesitation. I know the answer I should have given there was no, because I said I wasn't going to pursue anything romantic with her, but three months is a long time, and within that period of time, We've become closer and I've liked her even more, so of course, I changed my mind. I said sure, I was free. That Saturday, I made sure to look my best and we met up at the cinema. 
I was pretty nervous, so I pretended to be focused on the movie. At the end of the movie, we went to get fries and a milkshake, and we talked some more there. Sometime during our conversation, she hinted that she doesn't go out on dates with people she doesn't find attractive. I didn't know what to say to that, so I just kept quiet. When it was time to leave, I got her a cab and headed on home. One funny thing that happened after our date, I felt like Ashley started withdrawing from me. At first, I thought I was imagining it, but the next few days after that showed me that it was true. When I saw that I wasn't wrong, I decided to confront her. At first, she denied it, but eventually she told me what the problem was. She felt like I wasn't returning the same energy she was giving, and that made her think that I didn't like her as much as she liked me. I told her that it wasn't true, and I was just having second thoughts because I didn't like the fact that she had a close male friend. Mind you, before this, during our conversations, she always mentioned her bestie Kyle and how he gets her more than anyone in the world. She told me that he wasn't a problem and that Kyle had been her best friend since they were kids and they'd been inseparable ever since. I'm not putting the blame on her, but Ashley technically forced this relationship. I liked her too, but I think I might have been okay with just being friends with her, but apparently that wasn't good enough for her. She said she liked me a lot and she doesn't think she's at a point where she could just be friends with me. After that conversation, she didn't talk to me for like a week. I tried calling her, I tried texting, but she didn't reply or return my calls. At last, I just decided to give up. A few weeks after this, I saw her again. I was headed to class and I just saw her on a park bench with her bestie. They were talking and laughing about something. It was when I saw her that I realized how much I've actually missed her. I walked over to her and asked if we could talk. She excused herself from her bestie Kyle and we talked for a while. I could tell that I wasn't the only one missing her. She also missed me, and she was just too proud to show it at first. Eventually, I told her how much I missed her and how I wanted her back in my life as more than a friend. That was my mistake. She agreed immediately, and just like that, we started dating. We started hanging out together and just doing boyfriend and girlfriend stuff. You know, sometime in the relationship, I learned that she doesn't have a lot of girlfriends. I don't think she has any actually. This guy Kyle is her only friend. At first I tried to overlook it, but it was difficult. When you get all your emotional support from one guy for the past how many years? It's difficult to imagine that something else hasn't happened between them. One day I called and asked her how she was spending the weekend. She told me she was going out to the cinemas with Kyle. Then and there, I told her that I didn't like the fact that she spent a lot of time with him. She assured me once again that nothing was going on between them and he's just her friend. After that reassurance, I decided not to press further. I didn't want to seem insecure. During this time, I haven't told Jamie who I was dating. She came around one day and I finally introduced her to the boys. As soon as she left later that evening, Lewis and Jamie asked me what I was thinking. They told me they knew her best friend Kyle and whatever she's telling me about them being platonic is a lie. I told them that they were lying and that she'd never do anything to hurt me. Deep down, I think I knew they were right, but I just didn't want to believe it. Lewis was closer to Kyle and they talk about everything. They also stayed in the same apartment complex. Lewis told me that on countless occasions, Kyle would knock on his door as late as midnight just to borrow a pack of condoms. He liked to brag that he and Ashley could pull all-nighters and stuff like that. I still didn't want to believe it. And as a defensive mechanism, I decided that maybe they used to be intimate in the past, but that would have changed now that she met me. 
How naive of me. Lewis said okay, and I should do whatever floats my boat. But if he happens to see Ashley in his apartment building, he's calling me. I said okay, thinking that would never happen. It happened in less than a month. I saw Lewis's call by 11pm at night. I picked up, and he told me that Ashley is in his apartment building with Kyle, and they just went into his apartment. I still didn't want to believe that she was cheating on me with her bestie, but I had to confirm. I called her and asked her what she was doing and if she was free to come over. She said she couldn't because she was having a study session with some friends. She lied to me and it was obvious, but I was still in denial. I decided that I won't believe it if I don't see it for myself. I decided to go to Lewis's place at past 11 in the midnight and what I saw was truly heartbreaking. As soon as I got to his place, I decided to take the emergency stairs to Kyle's place so I could peek through the window. There, I saw Ashley and Kyle all sweaty and going at it. I instantly felt nauseous and I walked away. I've never felt so stupid in my entire life. I knew what I was walking into and I still walked into it. I wanted to cry but I couldn't. I felt pain and numb at the same time and I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't even bother taking a cab back home. I just walked. I didn't know when I got to Ashley's house. At first, I thought about vandalizing her entire apartment, but I didn't have the strength to do so. I walked to her apartment door and picked the lock, forcing my way in. Once I was inside, I made my way to her bedroom and went straight for her jewelry box. She once told me about a necklace that her mom gave her when she died. It was her most prized possession, and she doesn't wear it a lot because she couldn't risk it getting lost. I found it in the box and took it. I didn't even take it home with me. I threw it in a dumpster a few blocks away from my house. The next morning, I sent a breakup text to Ashley and blocked her from all my social media platforms. Would it be too crazy of me to suggest that Ashley could have known it was OP? Just by the fact that OP sent that breakup text, they're probably going to get back to their apartment and find that it's unlocked, right? And they're going to find the only thing missing is the gifted necklace? Literally, who else could that have been? Also, considering the backstory, even though she is a filthy cheater, I still don't think that justifies what OP did, knowing how treasured that necklace was. Am I wrong in that? But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or, if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.